you now? How are you now? Well, folks, I'm doing all right. Not that anybody asked. A um, little bit upset at that particular game. It was not very entertaining. Montreal Canadiens lose 3-1 to one to the Minnesota Wild. Hello and welcome to episode... What episode is it? Is it episode 7? It's episode 7 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And I'm, I'm not pissed off about that one. Uh, I'm pissed off about a few things from that one. But we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, we'll get to it. They lose 3-1. to one. It was pretty boring for the most part. Uh, there were some moments that, that kind of provide you with a little bit of excitement, but, you know, even some of the more exciting moments, yeah, the energy just got sucked out of the building. I could feel it through my television, never mind those poor souls who paid money to go watch that game. But anyways, let's do a quick recap. There's not a whole lot to go over. There was only four goals. Habs, they open up that first period, and honestly, they were getting the better chances early on in the first period, which is kind of rare. First period's usually been a bit of a problem for them. But early going into that first period, they were actually, as far as I was concerned, the better team. The better looking team, anyways. Kirby Doc hit the post on a power play. They came really close to opening the scoring. However, not too long after that power play, uh, the three-on-one chance going the other way from Minnesota. Uh, first shot hits the backboards, and Joel Erickson Eck, he finds that rebound coming off the boards and bangs it in. Uh, kind of rattled around and behind Jake Allen a little bit. It's one nothing for Minnesota. Uh, we had the most ridiculous penalty sequence later on in that period. They missed a high stick call uh, against Minnesota, but then they called Kirby Doc and Ryan Hartman for coincidental minors when they were just like barely pushing each other near the bench. Like it was nothing. It's not some. It's something that happens forty times a night in different games across the league and never gets called. And for whatever reason, they were like, "Nope, we're not tolerating that." But then they missed a pile of other penalties. More on the refs later. You guys know I like to complain about them. When we go into the second period, Habs are down one. But early in that second period, Cole Caulfield gets the puck in the offensive zone. He's coming up the boards. He realizes he's got some space. Matt Zuccarello turns his back to him. Cole Caulfield circles back, heads towards the net, takes a shot. It gets partially blocked, but it beats Marc-Andre Fleury. Makes it 1-1. We're in this game, folks. Habs honestly look for pretty much the rest of that period like the better team, but... It doesn't always matter if you are the better team or if you look like the better team. Uh, Frédéric Gaudreau sends a beautiful pass into the slot uh, to Brandon Zuem. He's in alone. He beats Jake Allen to make it 2-1 to one with about 7 minutes to go. From there on out, the Habs had some decent chances again, but they just couldn't break through. Marc-Andre Fleury making some really good saves. 2-1 to one going into the third. Unsurprisingly, the refs are still horrible. I mean... <laughs> I'll save it. Let's get through the rest of the recap. We go into the third. Mike Hoffman even gets a penalty shot in the third period, but he just skates on the left side, down the boards, comes into the middle, and just fires a weak shot at Flurry's pad. Doesn't go. Um, we get some good chances for the Habs for the remainder of that period as well, but none of them go. Uh, Fleury is still playing quite well, especially considering his goals against average for this season so far. And um, they can't get anything. Joel Erickson Eck, he adds one more goal in an empty net, and that's it. 3-1 to one for the Minnesota Wild. Whew. Not the most entertaining game. Now, um, I mentioned the penalty shot by Mike Hoffman. Uh, that one bothered me. It was really an, an ugly attempt by Hoffman on that one. 
Um, I have to say, though, uh, I, I wanted to, and after watching that, I wanted to skewer him going into the podcast. I was like, man, I'm going to rip on Mike Hoffman, but he was honestly not bad in that game. He actually he, he played less than 10 minutes total. Him and Jonathan Drouin on the fourth line, they, they didn't really play that much. Um, but they were both really effective from a statistical standpoint. They actually both played really good games. Um, Hoffman was obviously more noticeable in a bad way because, number one, the penalty shot, and number two, he was on the ice um, when that Erickson Eck goal scored. The puck kind of fluttered out. He dove and tried to knock it out of the way, uh, but it ricocheted back into uh, right in front of Erickson Eck, and he ends up putting it in for the empty net goal. You can't blame him for that because, <clears throat> number one, he's not a defenseman and he's trying to play defense there. And number two, even if he was a defenseman, um, I, I'm not sure that we have anybody on the team that could have done a better job diving to try and knock that puck out. You would have needed a little bit of luck. Um, he actually had a good game. It just really bothers me that he couldn't break through on that penalty shot. That was a golden opportunity for the Habs to tie that game. They were the better team through all three periods. You go take a look at natural stat trick and tell me that that's not the team that deserved to win. They absolutely did. Um, Marc-André Fleury made some really good saves and they couldn't capitalize on opportunities that they had. So it's, it's on them. They, if they, if they were able to score more goals, um, (laughs) that sounds like such a ridiculous statement. If they were able to score more goals, they could have won the game. Of course they could have. Um, if they were able to capitalize on the opportunities that were given to them is maybe the better way to phrase that, then they, they had a chance to win that game and they honestly deserve to win it. Um, what can you do? Mike Hoffman. Honestly, man, I wanted to rip you after this one, but uh, ugly penalty shot, but you had a good game, man. I can't deny it. Yeah, who didn't have a good game is the fucking officials. Oh, my God. So I talked already about the one ridiculous call they made, right? They called Doc and Ryan Hartman for just pushing each other near the bench. Again, that happens 40 times a night. If you have five different games, it'll happen 40 times across those five games and nobody calls it. What are you calling that for? These are grown men. Like, they fight out there sometimes and you're worried about those two little pushes early on in the game in the first period? It's not like things were super chippy up to that point. You're just calling it because you want to lean into the frame of the game a little bit. You want to make sure that you're heard. Like, fuck off with that. Like, don't call stupid penalties like that for ticky-tack stuff early on in the game. And then miss a bunch of calls as well. Right before that, they missed a high stick on Caden Gooley that should have been called. So, funny to me. You know, a high stick, a stick to the mouth is not worth calling. But a little shove by the bench. Oh, that's a double minor. Or coincidental minors, rather. Just stupid. And then, (laughs) this was the worst one, right? Arbor Jackeye. There's a delayed penalty call against Minnesota, which, by the way, the call against Minnesota was bullshit. They were calling hooking, and there was no hook whatsoever. It was maybe a hold, but like they didn't even know what they were calling. They just saw something they felt should be a penalty, so they had their arm up. And <laughs> while they're still waiting for that penalty to be called, Ryan Hartman takes a bit of a run at Arbor Jackeye in the corner. Nothing bad. He hits him, but then he throws a glove punch, and he jabs him in the face. Arbor Jackey, of course, we know he's not going to just sit there and tolerate that. He grabs him and gives him a little glove tap to the face as well. Ryan Hartman embellishes it, acts like he just got shot in the face, and they call only Jackey. So instead of the Habs getting the penalty, 
that they were originally going to get, which was already bullshit, uh, they actually have to go to four on four at that point. And they also don't call Hartman either for his gloved punch to Jack Eye in the first place that started the whole fucking thing or for embellishing and acting like he just got shot in the face. So ridiculous, number one, from the officials, because if you're going to call Jack Eye, you got to call Hartman. You can't just decide one of the two glove punches is worse than the other, especially when they were both about the same force and delivered, you know, maybe a little bit different spot on the ice, but it's the same goddamn thing, and you're standing there looking at it. You have to call both or call neither. I would have been perfectly fine if they called neither of them. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Right, but then at the same time, the the call that you were already making on uh, Minnesota was also bullshit. There shouldn't have been a call there either. Real realistically, the result of that whole sequence probably should have been nobody's getting a penalty on either side. But instead, we go to four on four hockey. So these guys had no inkling of an idea of what they wanted to call in that game. At one point, they looked like they were calling icing, but it turns out they called offside because they said uh, Jonathan Drouin touched the puck and he was offside. But I looked at the replay and I don't think he touched it at all. I think they just decided that he touched it. And by the time they blew it, it was already in possession of Minnesota. So like, what were they doing? Why did they wait so long to blow it? If Drouin touched it, you waited too long to blow it. Like Everything about that game from an officiating standpoint was brutal. It did not cost the Habs the game. I want to be very clear about that. I don't think that if the officials did a better job that the Habs would have somehow won. Again, what killed the Habs was their inability to capitalize on chances. But it's just infuriating to me when I have to watch a game that's already not very entertaining in and of itself. And the officials are also brutal. So banner year for officiating I guess it's going to be because there's been a couple of games already this season where they've been brutal so look forward to that folks I'm going to be complaining about it every chance I get (laughs) Um, let's move on right let's move away from the officials Uh, silver lining of the night I gotta go with my boy Cole Caulfield folks the countdown continues 35 more goals to number 40 um that was a goal. That was probably the easiest goal he's going to score all season because his shot got partially blocked. He had a stick right in his way uh, at the release point. But the the thing is, when I look at that play and I see him come up the boards and then immediately when he notices that uh, Matt Zuccarello had his back turned to him, he just immediately did a button hook and turned right towards the net. I love the fact that he's now free to take his opportunities and that he is just making those reads and he's taking those opportunities, right? It was the right play to make. There wasn't a better play for him there. It looked like Fleury and Net was playing for the pass across. That, I think, got him more than the fact that the shot was partially blocked. Like, he legitimately thought Caulfield was going across with that. And, folks, Cole Caulfield is not passing the puck across this season. He's taking the shots when he sees them. And we, we got to be excited about that because this is a very different Cole Caulfield than we saw at the beginning of last season, and we know why that is. We know it's because of the coaching. We know that Martin Saint-Louis is doing a fantastic job um, with this roster so far. Honestly, you guys know me. If I saw a problem with the coaching, I'd be all over it, and more on that in a second. But 
with Martin Saint-Louis, the fact that he's allowing the forwards to, to be able to make those reads. He talked about it right when he got hired and said, I want the best players to make the reads because that's what they do best. That's why they're in the NHL. And he's right. And you see it with Cole Caulfield. Giving him a little bit more freedom has allowed him to make those plays. And proof's in the pudding. Five goals in seven games so far. My buddy Jared Book put up a tweet earlier tonight saying that uh, he's only the, what, the 14th or 13th player in the last, uh, since 1990 that has five goals in the first seven games. Some of those guys got to 40, and I have said before, and I'll say again, I believe Cole Caulfield is getting to 40. We got 35 left, folks. The countdown continues. Now, a couple other players that I want to talk about that had really good games. Uh, I'll try to be quick with them. Uh, Arbor Jackeye, listen, he had a bit of a rough first period. Um, he, he got beat a few times on defense. He had to get saved uh, basically on the goal line by Jonathan Drouin at one point. Uh, but he settled down really well and ended up with one of the best statistical games of any of the defensemen on the Montreal Canadiens roster. Um, really strong possession game. I mean, yeah, he was chipping in. I mean, he was really trying to chip in offensively anyways. He was getting shots on goal. He was trying to get shots through traffic. Uh, he had a sequence where he ended up breaking his stick, trying to take his third shot on goal of that shift. And uh, he looked like he was trying to murder that puck. Listen, I'm excited about this kid. I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the season. He had a bit of a rough going uh, early on in that game, and he settled it down and started playing much better. Obviously, he takes that penalty, um, which didn't end up hurting them and was a bullshit call anyways. So I'm not going to fault him for that. Um, he, he does have a tendency to take bad penalties, but that's one where, you know, that should have been minors on both sides. So whatever. Um, who else? David Savard. I've been rough on him this season. Uh, he actually had a great game for the Montreal Canadiens. He was fantastic. He blocked a whole bunch of shots. His positioning was on point. Um, he was a big catalyst in the fact that, as I said earlier, Montreal deserved to win that game. They were the better team, statistically speaking. He was a big part of that, and a lot of it had to do with his positioning, shot blocking, uh, tenacity, physicality. Uh, it was a good game from him. Um, I, I would like to see more games like that from him. It would either boost up his trade value and he get him a chance to maybe go play for a contender at the deadline, or, you know, if he's going to stick around with the Montreal Canadiens, at the very least, it would provide us with somebody a little bit more reliable on the back end and provide Caden Gooley with a more reliable partner for the rest of the season if they're going to stick with that on a regular basis. Um, who else? Caden Gooley, again, thought he had a very effective game. Uh, was slightly more impressed with Arbor Jacki in that game, but I thought he was really good. He was getting beat up out there. He, got, he took a puck to the ear at one point and had to leave to go get his ear fixed. Um, rough night for him physically, but... Uh, pretty decent night for him statistically and uh, overall in terms of his play. Aside from that, nobody else really impressed me all that much. Um, I, I thought most of the players were pretty good, though. If you go take a look at Natural Statric, look at that game, you'll notice that the <laughs> the stats heavily favored Montreal. They, they were better in terms of possessions, better in terms of scoring chances. I believe they were better in terms of scoring chances anyways. Let me double-check that. I do have the web page open here, so excuse me if you hear a little bit of clicking on my part. But when we go and take a look at the scoring chance numbers, am I right about that? Okay, so we were 50-50 on the scoring chances, and high-danger scoring chances were also 50-50. Oh, my God, we were dead even on scoring chances with them both for regular and high-danger chances. However, Montreal had a 54.07% expected goals for. So statistically, they should have won that game. Uh, or, I guess, statistically, if you ran that game through 10 times, they probably win 6 or 7 out of 10. Um, I don't know. 
at the end of the day, uh, they don't always go your way. And the last thing that I want to talk about, because like I, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to come back to coaching for a second, is the power play. Uh, the power play sucks. Alex Burrows, what are you doing? I'm not going to sit here and start demanding that we fire coaches yet. I'm not there yet. But <laughs> let me tell you, folks, I got my eyes on Alex Burrows. I got my eyes on him because the power play is bad. That's his job. He's supposed to be the guy that's structuring that power play. We know that Marty St. Louis does some work with them on that front. But Alex Burrows, what are you doing? Remember that game earlier in the season where Cole Caulfield scored a late goal to get him back in it? Well, when they interviewed Nick Suzuki after the game, the media was talking to Suzuki and they asked him, well, what happened? Did, did Alex Burrows draw that up? And Nick Suzuki said, no, that was just Jonathan Drouin making a read. Drouin made a read. He found Caulfield. They scored. So it wasn't what he drew up. So nothing that he's drawing up right now is working. So either he needs to go back to the drawing board and come up with something better. Or, you know, if he can't, they're going to have to replace him. I don't think there's any rush to that because this team is not going to the playoffs anyways, <laughs> barring a miracle. Uh, but it, it can't run into next year. It can't run into the year after that. You, you want to make this rebuild go faster. You need to make sure that the power play is working. They have too many weapons for the power play to be as bad as it is right now. It needs to be better. Even if the team's terrible, you have to be able to convert on some of these chances. If you have the worst power play in the league at the end of the season, no matter where you are in the standings, then he's got to go. End of story. We'll see. I'm going to cut it off there before I start getting into too long of a coaching rant. Way too early in the season to be doing that, honestly. Uh, we are running what? Uh, ooh, almost 18 minutes. So, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, folks, 35 goals to go. À la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.